What's interesting about this area of the world, perhaps many of you know this, if you've recently moved here, you may not. There are a lot of historic battle sites in our area you can go and visit and you can tour and learn a lot about our history and the battlefields where major wars were fought and battlefields are significant, but I don't want you to think about a physical location of a battlefield right now, I want you to understand a key principle in your life is that your mind is also a battlefield. And most wars in your life are gonna be won or lost in your mind. And the enemy, he wants to attack your mind. And the enemy is real, he's not mythical. There is a enemy out to seek and devour you. And he wants to entrap you in lies and fear and worry and negativity. And he wants to literally shape and mold your thinking one lie at a time until you're just a prisoner of deception. Because see, God tells us, like we talked about last week, man, we are more than conquerors through Christ. But, but the enemy whispers to you, well, why haven't you done more then? God tells you your failure is never final. And the enemy says, well, that's just because he doesn't know the secret sin you can't break. And you remember last week we talked about Dr. Charles Cooley, the dean of American psychology, who told us our self-worth and our self-image is determined in large measure, almost exclusively, by the person who has the loudest voice in your life. So the loudest voice in your life almost exclusively determines your self-worth and your identity. And the question we asked was, is the loudest voice in your life God's voice? And so we're in a new series called The Game Changer, where... For four weeks, we've been looking at Philippians chapter 4. Some of the most well-known, well-quoted verses in all of the scripture. But Paul has game-changing answers for us on how to win the battle in our mind. How to deal with anxiety and fear and discomfort. And how to pursue Christ at all costs. And we're just going to soak up these verses of scripture so that when fear or anxiety or concern rolls into our lives. Man, what's in my mind and what's on my lips is that my God is for me and my God is stronger. That I have promises from the same Jesus who rose from the grave, from the same Jesus who defeated death and was crucified for me. And what you're going to see today is Paul's going to tell you how to win those battles that occur in your mind. In Philippians 4, 8 and 9, Paul says this, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Think on these things and do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. And then look at the promise. Look at the promise that God has here in this verse. Look. And the God of peace will what? Be with you. 
How many of you in this room, watching online, podcasting this later, just wish for a week of peace? That you could you know, go to sleep at night, regardless of what's happening with your finances, your career, your relationships at school. You could go to sleep and wake up the next morning at rest in your heart, at peace. Whatever health, health challenges you're facing, you could say, I have a God who's for me, and I'm going to walk in peace. Peace escapes most people. And the battle for peace occurs in our minds. And Paul actually has a solution for you today so that you can leave here walking in peace. Let's talk about it. So, Lord, man, we want peace. We need peace. And you are the author of peace. And so, God, help us. Help us to know that, man, our mind is a battlefield. And so many wars are won and lost right there in our mind. And so, God, help us to look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, and help us to be people who think on what is true and lovely and commendable. Help us, God, to fix our eyes on you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? So it's true. Your mind is a battlefield. And your self-image and your self-worth is shaped by the loudest voice around you. And Paul, in these two verses, said to you, hey, think on these things. Fix your mind on these things. The reason why Paul wants us to direct our thoughts in a particular direction is because of this. Your life always moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Principle of life. Your life always moves in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And what I love at this point in history is science is finally catching up with the Bible. God has always talked about the power of our mind and our thinking and to fix our minds. But science is now talking about how that is so powerful to our overall health. Scientists, if you look up Cognitive behavioral psychology are saying now, listen, that's why I say science is catching up to the Bible, that so many problems we have and so many of the problems that we face are attributed to wrong thought processes. That a ton of addictions, fears, eating disorders, sleep disruptions, and health problems are linked almost exclusively to poor thought processes. And that the problems so many people have are related to wrong thought processes. It, it's almost like a few thousand years ago, God said something like this in Proverbs. For as he thinks in his heart, what? So is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Scientists now will say that, that a habitual pattern of negative thoughts actually slows down your brain's coordination. It makes it difficult for you to process thoughts or find solutions. The negative thoughts hinders creative ability. It actually decreases activity in your cerebellum, which impacts your mood, your memory, and your impulse control. 
But, but positive thoughts, on the other hand, they actually increase your synapses, which dramatically increases your mental productivity, that it improves your ability to think, analyze, and it improves your overall ability to be creative and have a positive well-being. Do, do you know why your self-worth and your self-image is determined by the loudest voice? It's because your, your physiology, listen, literally changes based on the thoughts that are coming into your mind, which is why your, your life is a product of the thoughts you think. Some of you, and I love you, you spend so much time with negative thoughts, and your spirit animal is Eeyore. You can actually Google eight signs that your spirit animal is Eeyore if you need to. It's like a whole rabbit hole into the internet. You don't spend time looking for solutions. You don't spend time living full of faith. You have a victim mentality. Instead of saying, man, no, man, in Christ I am an overcomer, your mind is flooded with how everyone and everything is against you and what you don't have. Some of the marriage problems that you're facing are born out of the thought processes you continually repeat. That you're continually choosing to think about what isn't right, what isn't good, what they don't do, what they won't say, what they won't provide. And all you're thinking about is what's negative and what's wrong. Craig Groeschel a pastor in Oklahoma gave his church a, a thought audit, and I want, I want to share it with you. I, just, I want you to honestly engage with this for a minute. And so a thought audit. When you wake up each day on a scale of 1 to 10, you don't have to answer out loud, but would you say on a scale of 1 to 10 that you are more worried or you are more peaceful? What if and how's going to, and what's going to, and will it, or... I'm at rest because my God sees me and my God knows me. And I don't know the future, but I know the God that holds the future. So would you say on a scale of one to ten, where do you land between worried and peaceful? Not only that, would you, would you say that your thoughts tend to be more negative or more positive? And if you don't know, ask anyone around you. <laughs> then on a given day, are you more likely to pick out everything that's wrong, are you looking for what's positive? Not only that, but I think this is a good one he pointed out. Do your thoughts tend to be more worldly or more eternal? What I have, what I own, what I do, where I work, where I'm going, what I bought, what I didn't bought, what I won, what I didn't want, versus... What the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Your life always follows the pattern of your strongest thoughts. And he goes on to say that, listen, no matter who you are, listen to me, no matter what you do, where you live, where you work, 
where you vacation, how good you are in sports, you, you cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. Biblically, scientifically, you can't. Now, I appreciate what he said, but I want to tweak it a little bit, and I'll say this way. You cannot have a praise-filled life with a negative mind. Jesus cannot be forefront of our lives, our thoughts, our actions, our words with a negative mind because our life is directed by the thoughts that we have. And if your life is directed by the thoughts you have, let me ask you a question you need to consider. Are you excited about the direction of your life? Because your life follows the pattern of your strongest thoughts. So some of you are in a pattern of, man, I'm, I'm never, or they're never, or it'll always be like this, and I'll never become that. And you're always embracing the negative thoughts, which, listen to me, scientists say are changing the chemical makeup of your brain. Because every thought you think creates neuropathways, chemical makeup in your mind, pathways in your brain. And the more you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. That you create neuropathways, millions of them. And your brain begins to recognize those thoughts and it creates shortcuts immediately to that way of thinking. And so the easier it is to think a thought, it becomes easier and easier the more you think that thought. That you're literally rewiring your brain in that direction. A good example of this I've heard is if you walk across your front lawn in the same way every day, what happens? Well, number one, don't walk across somebody's front lawn. Like, don't come walk on my front. I have a sidewalk for a reason, number one. But let's just say you so rudely choose to walk across the front lawn. And you walk across the same path every day for 100 days, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You're going to create a rut, a path that's clear and visible. Now, let's say, you know what? I don't want to walk on that path anymore. But you choose to start walking another path. Does that path immediately go away? But will it over time? Yeah. It will heal and regrow, and you can create a new path. A lot of your negativity and issues is a choice you're making every week. You're staying in a rut of negative thinking that's creating shortcuts in your brain that becomes your default. But Paul tells us in Romans 12, look at this. Don't be conformed to this age, but be, what's the word? Transformed. But, but look at how we're transformed. By the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. See, God's desire is that we live transformed lives. We're not stuck in this old rut of behavior that's negatively influencing our life and our health and our relationships. But we can 
renew our minds and choose a new rut. And I don't want you to be disrupted or dismayed that after a week of choosing a new path of thinking, you look over and the the old rut still seems like it's there. Over time, you can create a new one and the old one will go away, but it takes time. It takes commitment. It takes perseverance. It takes want to. My wife and I are getting ready to celebrate the beginning of our 24th year of marriage. I was married when I was 10, if you were wondering. (laughs) There's three years of our marriage. The only thing that kept us together was the fact on day one, we said, "If, if divorce is an option for you, then let's not get married because we both came from broken homes and broken backgrounds. For three years, we lived in a rut of negativity, choosing bitterness and choosing frustration and choosing to think the worst of the other person. And praise God, we stuck it out. But one day, one of us had to step up and go, I'm not going to think that anymore. I'm going to think this. I'm not going to choose that. I'm going to choose this. And it's really hard to try to choose this when you can still see the old rut. It's really hard to try to form a new path when the other one hasn't grown over yet. But you can renew your mind. You can be transformed. You can choose this. It's a decision you have to make. And our life is a product of the pattern of our strongest thoughts. I got three kids. Man, I love them. Man, they're expensive. (laughs) And I've got a few years left with them at home. And my wife and I right now feel like ships passing in the night at times. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, what's your name? Oh, Kim, great to see you. Where you been? Running kids around. I can choose to think about what it costs and how much time, or I can go, you know, there were six years, seven years where we went through six miscarriages and we pleaded with the Lord for just one. And now I've got three and I got a few years left. I have to choose what I'm going to think about. I have a sign in our home that says, don't forget you're surrounded by answers to prayer from years ago. It's a pattern of thinking we choose to engage in. And that's, that's what Paul is talking about here in Philippians. Look, look back, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this. We're going to read it together. But when we get to a highlighted word, I want us to say it out loud together. This is what Paul is saying. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is... Whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, whatever is, if there is any excellence, if there is anything, look at what he says next. Think, go to the next slide. Think about these things. Think, Paul says, about these things. What things? 
Whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely, commendable, if there's anything excellence, anything worthy of praise, think, Paul says. And this word think isn't insignificant. It's not just, well, you need a verb to transition the sentence to have it make sense. And Paul just, well, think makes sense. So he wrote down that. It's not, it's, this is not an insignificant word choice here. This verb, think, in the Greek is, is power-packed. Uh, this verb is significant. Like Paul chose a powerful word here. And this word, this Greek word, think, is only used two other times in the New Testament. This is the third usage. It's used two other times, one in Romans and one in 2 Corinthians. And the other two times Paul uses this, he tells the church, I want you to think, like to, to consider greatly Jesus' sacrifice for you. I want you to think about how weighty Christ's death and burial and resurrection was for you, like your salvation and your life and your eternity rests upon what Jesus did. Think about that. That's a powerful word. Think when we think about what Jesus has done for us. Amen? So like with that same emotion, think. Paul says you've got to think about these things. You've got to think about what's true and lovely and right. It was Jesus who said, if you know the truth, the truth will do what? Set you free. And truth isn't as much of an idea as it is a person. Jesus is truth. And so we think about him. We think about these things. This is why Paul and 2 Corinthians, he told the church, man, if, if, if you want to defend against your oppressors, then you have to take every thought captive. Take it captive. And that Greek word for take captive literally means to like draw a sword and go to war. Do battle against those thoughts. It's, it's not... Reactive, it's proactive. Go to war with a sword. If you go over to the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us about our spiritual armor, belt of truth, helmet of salvation, shoes, the goodness of gospel. There's only one offensive weapon. Everything else is defensive. What's the one offensive weapon we are told we have in Ephesians? Sword of the Spirit. Which is what? The word of God. That we do battle against our thoughts and we take them captive. And we choose to think about certain things. And we get this word out. And when the enemy lies to us, and our brain immediately starts going down the pattern of negative thinking because those shortcuts are there. We say, no, this is true. No, this is true. No, this is true. When you walk back into that relationship, whether it's with a child or a spouse or at work, and you see them and your first thought goes back to that negative pattern. 
You take it captive. And you say, I'm going to choose this. And I'm going to choose a new path. I'm going to choose a, a, a new way. We don't have to live lives in bondage because Christ set us free. And the ruts of negative thinking in our life didn't happen overnight, nor will they be corrected overnight. But I honestly have prayed this week that some of you would be tired enough of the pattern of life that you're in, that you're ready for something new. And for so long, man, you've, you've just lived from an emotive place. And your heart is affecting your mind. Our feelings are so fickle. Do you know that about your feelings? Like your feelings just go up and down and up and down and up and down. Sometimes I wake up and I'm in a bad mood. I'm like, oh, it's because I had a whole bunch of jalapenos and chili last night. Anybody be in a bad mood, you know? But you're letting your feelings run your life and it's affecting your mind. And feelings are a great gauge, but they're not a steering wheel for your life. Feelings are good, but feelings don't shape our mind. Our mind shapes our feelings. No, this is true. No, this is right. No, we're not going to believe that. We're going to believe this. No, I'm going to take that thought captive. No, I'm going to believe this. Everyone here, your life is going to follow the pattern of your strongest thought. So here's, here's my challenge to you. Here's what we're going to do. Because you can't hear this sermon and not apply it. And you're not going to go home and start applying it then. We're going to start applying it now. So what's the strongest negative thought waging war in your life right now? whether it's relational, finances, future, I don't know, work. What's the strongest negative thought in your life right now? And listen to me, I'm not saying that there aren't circumstances that aren't great, that there's not circumstances that need to change. What I'm saying is you control your thought. So what's the strongest negative thought you have? And by now, I bet you almost everyone has it. You know why? Your brain is already hardwired to go there. You have created neural pathways to get there real fast. You don't have to live that way. You don't. So what we're going to do today is we're going to choose to take that thought captive and you're going to replace it with a promise from God. So stand with me. Jesus didn't just set you free from sin, hell, death, and the grave, y'all. He set you free from a life of negativity, and he set you free from a life of surrender to the enemy. He has set you free. So I want you to take a minute, capture that thought, 
and begin to replace it right now. We're going to start making new roots.